Hello and welcome. You're listening to the You Do Woo podcast, and I'm your host, Allison Cullen. I'm a mom with a background in business and counseling, but I've always been tapped into the more woo-woo side of everyday life. I'm here to take you on an exploration of your spirituality, give you helpful life hacks, help you on this evolution through motherhood, and give you a weekly dose of useful woo. If you need your cup filled, your mind expanded, and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. If you are new here, my name is Allison Cullen. I'm the host of You Do Woo. I am a human design and business coach. And I just wanted to thank you for coming into my world. If you are an OG listener, thank you for staying around. We've been through a lot in this podcast. We've read over 120 episodes now. We've gone through a rebrand. I've pivoted in a lot of ways. And I'm really pumped because this year, everything's just like falling into place finally. And I'm scaling my business and I'm really have a better perspective on life and what's important and all those kind of things more than I ever have before. The last two and a half years with this podcast and this business, as well as the past almost four years of implementing human design into my life has been huge. So much up-leveling, so many miracles, lots of challenges that have been reframed into positive things. It's been a ride, but it's been really fun. And I just want to thank you if you've been along for the whole journey or part of it or or you're jumping on right now. So if you're new to this world, I'd love to meet you. Send me a DM on Instagram. My handle is woo, And I'm not on there all day, every day, but I will get back to you in the next few days if you send me a little DM saying hi. And thank you guys for just listening every week and for sharing the episodes that really resonate with you. I love it when you tag me in those because it's fun to see what you thought of the episode and that it meant something because sometimes it's funny recording these, especially the solo ones and my intros because I'm like, okay, is anybody listening? Am I just doing this for myself? Which I'm, it's a cool little record to have, I think, and will be neat for my daughter to listen to and all those things, a cool little legacy I'm leaving. But at the same time, my purpose, my passion in all of this is to connect with you guys and help you guys and hope that you resonate with some of the stuff that I'm going through and that I talk about and all those things. So a little bit about today's episode. It is coming at kismet timing because... My guest today is named Megan Colsing. She's freaking amazing. She's a certified therapist. She's in my mastermind. She's a freaking genius at what she does. And I have realized lately that my nervous system and learning how to regulate my nervous system and be aware of it and listen to it and know what affects it positively, what affects it negatively, what gets me into fight or flight, freeze fawn, what gets me out of those things is almost the more most important thing in my life right now because it affects how 
I'm vibrating on a minute to minute basis and like actually what I'm attracting and also my ability to listen to my sacral authority. Megan's amazing. You'll hear her genius within this episode, but she has a freebie that's all about how to ground grounding. So when you're feeling very in your head or looping thoughts or just anxious feeling or not feeling present, feeling rushed, hurried, overwhelmed, these exercises that are in the freebie, I'll link it in the show notes, are freaking magical. And then we chat a lot about her background and why she became a therapist and then why she pivoted. She's still a certified licensed therapist and she's also a coach. And it's interesting because some of you guys might know this already about me, but I went to grad school to become a therapist. I was working in the music industry in my business management job and I started night school at around 25 or 26 to become a licensed therapist. And I have, I think, three hours left in that. I was going to a school in Austin, university in Austin, and ended up moving to Dallas thinking I'd be back to Austin real soon and finish it up. And that hasn't happened. So I might finish it at some point. Right now, that is a 100% no for my sacral currently (laughs) to take on anything else because this career and path is my jam right now but I might go finish it later. It's so weird because all of the reasons for finishing it are just for my mind ego. And I'm like, well, I don't make decisions for my mind ego anymore. So that'll have to have to be later on. But I'm way big into psychology and all kinds of aspects of counseling and therapy and all that kind of stuff. And I feel honestly like sometimes coaches can almost do a better job than therapists. What's amazing is that Megan has both. She is both. She's a life coach and a therapist. And she has offerings that I wish some of my past therapists would have where you do this clarity call and boxer combo that, oh my God, it is at such a low price right now. You'll have to go grab it. Listen to the episode. If you like vibe with Megan, go grab it because I know the price is increasing very, very soon. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. But basically she does a clarity call and then you get a week of Voxer coaching with her. So if you can think about when you've gone to therapy and all this stuff has come up and then you don't meet with them for like another week or two, or maybe you meet with them once a month and you're like, dang it, I wish that I would have them sort of on call and I could just text them little things that came up and get their input because that's a huge part of brain rewiring and reframing things and actually growing is being able to input what you learned in therapy into everyday life in real time. So honestly, this is freaking genius. I mean, this is the way that therapy honestly needs to start going, but that's for a whole other episode. I have a lot of ideas of therapy and my ways that I would change it, but this is so cool because Megan is one of the only people I know that is a licensed therapist that has an offering like this. So jump on it because I know she only takes a few per month for this offering. So if this is a heck yes for you, go grab it. It is in the show notes and you can grab one right now. Also, like nervous system regulation is one of the codes that we're talking about in my new course called Cheat Codes. It's all about human design. It's basically like 
getting a human design certification, like everything that you will learn in an HD certification course, combined with these 11 codes that I have downloaded over the past, honestly, probably like 11 months. It wasn't like one code per month. They came, I don't even know when they came up over the past year, but the first code that I'm going to be talking about is regulation. And it's all about nervous system regulation, why that is important, how you can do that, every aspect of your life that it affects, and what it has to do with your human design chart and looking at your human design chart, like little tips and tricks that you can do to regulate yourself. It's freaking amazing. So if you haven't jumped into cheat codes yet, definitely do. The price is going up soon and there's already videos and homework waiting for you in there. So check out the show notes for that. This particular episode's show notes is chock full of literally everything you need to get you through, (laughs) to get you through 2023 and really grow and get off to a good start. So enjoy this episode. It is so great. Connect with Megan on Instagram. I'll put her Instagram link below. I'll put her freebie below and I will put her link to grab one of those clarity call and boxer combos with her because it is magical. So enjoy and I will see you on the other side. Welcome you guys and welcome to Megan Colsing. Megan, I'm so excited to finally have you on the You Do Woo podcast. Yay. Thank you. I am so excited too. I know we've known each other now for almost a year. Almost. In Mm -hmm. March, 2022. And I'm so grateful for that. Let's just go ahead and get on into it. Give us a little bit of information on you, your background, how you got into what you're doing now, all of the things. Well, I'll start with like my human design too, since working with you for anybody that is interested. I am a four, six Manny Jen with emotional authority. So that is, you know, who I am. My background career-wise, I have my master's in mental health counseling, and I had concentration areas in substance use and eating disorders. During the 10 plus years I've been in the field, I literally have worked in every setting under the sun that you can think of, and I'm licensed as a licensed professional clinical counselor, all the letters, and so I have worked as a therapist, again, in different capacities, different settings with different populations. The last time I was in a clinic setting, though, there was a lot of just pressure, revolving door, have to see a lot of people, and I was working with a pretty high-risk population, lots of suicidal, self-harming clients, and got really burnt out. So I switched gears and took on a more administrative role. I was working within the court system actually, but still in like a treatment rehabilitation program, still getting to use my like therapy brain and help that way, but was able to kind of back off the client care, which was nice. And then after like five years of that though, I really started to miss people and miss the connections. And so I was doing some different, like getting involved in different kinds of coaching on my own personal wellness journey. And someone brought up the idea of you could be a coach. And it was like, it like hit me like a lightning bolt. And I was like, what? Like I was kind of naive, hadn't even crossed my awareness, but just really introduced that. And instantly my body was like, that's it. That sounds good because I don't want to go back to a clinic. I'm not ready for that. Um, And some of the red tape and parameters. So yeah, got me involved and started this process of building my own coaching business. So I say that I'm a personal power coach because thinking about who I love to work with and what really lights me up is just helping women in particular just really embrace 
themselves, whether it's you're going through a life transition, you're feeling really like lost and unsure at a stage of life, but just regaining that sense of like, I matter, I'm worthy, my wants and needs matter just as much as anyone else. And a lot of that is a reflection of what I went through in my own personal journey too, of really needing to regain that for myself. And so loving to work with women in that kind of capacity. So since I think I technically launched in April of 2022, I have my online coaching business and then work through direct sales growth community where I met you and got to start working with you. I do some administrative things there as well, which has been incredible. So cool because I know that the coaching industry is fairly new and anybody and everybody out there could go and deem themselves a, a life coach or whatever. You know, there's not really a one size fits all certification process or anything like that. But what's really amazing about you is that not only do you have like a legitimate certification in counseling as a therapist, but you've had over a decade of experience doing so that then you're able to sort of bring into this world and not to put anybody else down. And there's so much you can learn from actually going out and starting to coach people and all of that kind of stuff. But Sometimes when people are contacting me to work with them, I'm like, I've been a business manager for 15 years. You know, I'm not just like this person who created an Instagram page and I'm like, okay, now I'm a business coach. I think that there's something to say about having like over a decade of experience in helping people one-on-one and like really knowing what you're doing. I didn't finish my master's in counseling, but I started it and it's a lot. And working with people on one-on-one is a lot. And getting to know you over the past several months, I truly think that you're going to be able to help so many more people as a coach. I mean, I know that you've helped so many people in your decade of being a therapist, but in the way that you're going to be able to walk women one-on-one through this transformation, I think is just going to be so huge. And there's going to be trickle down. Whereas when you were working as a therapist, and that's why I didn't end up finishing my last two semesters is I was already saw the burnout. I was like, I cannot do this. And I just wasted how much money on the past three years, you know, but the cool thing is with this, there's going to be such a trickle down in helping women step into their power. And I just hope that you know that like how important that is. And I'm like one of your biggest cheerleaders in you starting this business. So one quick thing that I wanted to ask you, did you first find out about human design in 2022 or did you know about it before? As I said, like I kind of started my own journey in my mid thirties, all the like major life milestones had stopped. We knew we were done having children. You know, we have all the things and I found myself like, now what? Mm -hmm. And so that is what prompted me. I felt very empty, lost, emotional, just all these things. So I had actually joined and found a coach. Her name is Gervais Colmos and did a group container with a few other women through her. And she had just as some resources, somebody else that is involved with human design. And so that's where I got introduced. I didn't really deep dive into it, but I was just starting to like learn the lingo a little bit and like Ironically enough, everyone else in that group is a projector. I was the only one. So, I mean, I learned almost probably more in some ways about them and just how, you know, we're different and that sort of thing. So I had been introduced, but then when you came into DSGC in March and really gave a very thorough overview, and then I was able to start working with you one-on-one and really like learn what this means and what it all means for me specifically. So I had very minimal like introduction prior in like late 2021. 
Okay, cool. And as she said, she's a four, six emotional manifesting generator. So there's so many MGs in my world. It's crazy. I love y'all though. I love your energy. Okay. So I know that you are really big on like your main thing is helping women regain their sense of personal power. How do you think normally as women, we lose that in the first place? Does this happen when we graduate college, when we become moms? Like when does it happen? I think that's a really loaded question as a broad statement. I do think that culturally or society wise here in the States, I obviously can't speak for every other culture, but I think that there is a conditioning very early on that women's role is to take care of others. And so from a very early age, I mean, again, think of how many little girls are playing mommy and caring for a baby which there's nothing inherently wrong in any of that. But I think we just learned very quickly that we are supposed to care for everybody else. And so wherever is the messaging, like, please care for other people, but always make sure you're at the top of the list. I don't think that's really ever said. So from very early on, I think that seed is planted. How can you help others? How do you give to others? How do you serve others? And so I feel like there's missed messaging, even as people are, you know, kids and and teens and adolescents to still really be mindful and prioritizing, taking care of you, asking for help to take care of what you need, not just making everybody else around you happy, pleasing your parents, making sure you keep good friends, getting straight A's, you know, or good grades for teachers, like all of that. So I think rather than this conditioning, like, don't do it. I think early on, it's just missed to say like, take care of yourself too. You matter. I think as we then go through early adulthood and stuff, women, I think naturally we are just more relational and people do matter to us and how we're, we're wired. I actually, my husband's work, I I tell the story often, but it made sense to me. Like his work had some sort of guy. I don't even know what his role was anymore. Very animated, very short, cute little man in like armadillo boots Mm -hmm. came to this conference that everybody got to go to and talked about men and women's brains. And he talked about women's brains, like a wound ball of yarn. Everything is interconnected. If I do this, then this, 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 and this is affected. I have to, you know, all that sort of stuff. Whereas men are like a separated plate. Like this is my work. This is my home. And they don't intersect. And I work very hard to get in this like mindless state of mind where women are like, right. So I do think we are just very relationally oriented naturally in a lot of ways. So from that can become very easy to fall into like wanting to be liked by someone like as a partner in a social group, but different relationships, like we very early then trying to fit in and be liked by people can really start to lose ourselves very quickly in the name of what do I have to do? So that guy, that girl, these people, that group, that click, I fit in. I will also say though, women generally are... I'm more emotionally driven. And I think we get a lot of negative reinforcement for that. You're too much. That's bad. Quit being a baby. Suck it up. And so when we experience strong emotions, when something triggers emotions in us and we get this negative feedback, like it's not that big of a deal. It's not that bad. Suck it up and move on. I don't have time for this. We learn very quickly not to trust ourselves. Or I was a pro at stuffing how I was feeling and my wants and needs because I didn't want to add to anybody else's plate. I didn't want to add to the, my toddler's melting. We have a newborn that's not sleeping and my husband had a stressful day at work. So I just better not say anything because we already got too much going on. I don't want to add to it. So I just feel like these are some ways like 
I think back even to like, if I look at the trajectory of my life and like, how did I get to that place where like, I'm very goal oriented. I've had a lot of different successes. I've had a great life, but how did I get to this place where I felt so lost and sad and heavy and all of these things. And I think it was just a lot of like, I wasn't shamed for my emotions. I wasn't shamed when I did speak up about something, but I was just so much more reinforced for the hustle, the grind, the get good grades, the like do all these other things, get these external accolades, high achiever, high performer that we get so much external. It almost doesn't even register on us to like, how do I intrinsically take care of myself? So I think those are just some ways, again, everyone's story, everyone's path. Being in the therapy world, I can unfortunately say how much trauma women have gone through and how very quickly there's a very real loss of power when you've been sexually assaulted, when you've been abused, when you've had neglect as a child. Like any of those sorts of things, of course, really can change the trajectory of your life and power is taken from you when these things have happened. But I also think just some of these bigger systemic kinds of things can be almost like a slow burn, you know? I totally agree with you that a lot of it does start in childhood from conditioning. And it's sometimes not even the parents. Like to give an example, for me, my parents did not put pressure on me to make good grades or things like that. But I knew that was a societal thing. And then I put that own pressure on myself. And then I was praised for the straight A's. And I had great parents. They did a great job. And they didn't shame me for emotions and they didn't like, there was no abuse and all of that kind of stuff. Like it was very lucky in so many ways, but parents in the eighties didn't freaking know about this stuff. So it's not, you know, like it's, they did an amazing job with all of the tools and resources they had, but they also didn't praise when I went and did some creative outlet instead Mm -hmm. of my homework or, you know what I mean? Or stood up for myself in some way or spoke my truth or anything like that. Like, and I catch myself with my three-year-old in this way. We were on a family vacation a few weeks ago, like a friends and family vacation. And Caroline was having a meltdown, like a tantrum. She's three. It's very normal. And in the other room, one of our friends, he had to work a few hours that day and he was working and he was on the phone. And I was like, Caroline, we have to be quiet. Robbie's on the phone and working in the other room. I caught myself and I was like, no, she doesn't need to stop crying or be quiet. So instead I like took her outside and I was like, hey, let's have our cry here. We're just going to have our cry here because inside has to be quiet for right now, but you're going to cry and we're going to talk about it outside, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's so hard sometimes because I'm like, sometimes life would be easier if I was just very ignorant and unaware of all of these things, you know, it's like, yeah. So it it can sometimes make it a little bit harder, but I promise you as you do these things, I mean, all of our kids are going to have work to do. Obviously, we're not going to be perfect parents. And it's great to actually be imperfect parents because they need to see that too. But they need to see us catch ourselves and say that we made a mistake and reframe and all of that kind of stuff too. So I, I totally agree with you that there's so much that especially parents can do, but it's so much of it does start in childhood. And we sometimes as adults have to go back to look at what exactly happened in childhood to start unpacking it, unfortunately, because that was a long time ago for most people. Okay. So in walking women through this, what are some tools that you use to help women get to know themselves again, or to meet their new self as adults for the first time? 
I am a huge proponent of just being curious. I can tell you like how much I have said on repeat in working with so many clients in so many different settings of like, who says that's good? Who says that's bad? Right? Like really taking away the judgment and allowing things to just be as they are and be curious about it. You know, I'm working with the client right now who understandably so has negatively judged herself because she's quite emotional. She feels her feelings strongly, always has, and got a lot of slack for that. Got a lot of criticism growing up about being too soft and too sensitive and a crybaby and all the things. And so that has stuck with her. And she's really done a lot of work to try to undo this, like being emotional equals bad, right? And so trying to help women be curious in getting to know themselves. What did I think when that happened? What did I feel in my body? And it's not because it was good or bad or right or wrong. It's just trying to start to bring an awareness and a connection of just being curious to get to know yourself and take the labels out of it. That is so huge for a lot of people. A lot of things of like, so what meaning did you put on that? You know, they made some sort of connection really like subconsciously not even paying attention to it. And so bringing in awareness and being curious is huge. I also am a big proponent of like, try a bunch of different modalities. As a therapist, I got extra training being trained in DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, because I worked with that population that was very high risk in self-harming and suicidal behaviors. And I really did like it. It was pretty like cut and dry. It was like educational. There were steps and homework. And, and at the time that really fit with me and I really did like it. I resonated with it kind of in a philosophy level and how I think. But like now, even things I've tried for myself, I would have never tried. I would have never looked into something like human design. I've tried hypnosis tracks. I've just am new into like learning about EFT tapping kinds of things. Like just be willing to try a lot of different modalities because for some people just talking isn't sufficient. I've been journaling a lot more in the last year than I ever have in my entire life. And sometimes that feels really good. And sometimes I'm like, that's going to miss the mark. That's not going to be enough. Because I am a very verbal processing kind of person. So like I need to speak it in a lot of times, you know, to move some energy. So being willing to be open to try different modalities and to say, this is something I've always done. that's always worked, may not work anymore. And that's okay. So I think that that's huge. I tell this story in different things, but when I was a therapist in the clinics and we had to do like what's called a diagnostic assessment, a very thorough, right? Every part of you. Tell me about your career. Tell me about your medical history, your family, like, right? All the things. There were two questions that people always had the hardest time with. And like, deer in headlights, like, struggled was what are you good at? And what do you like to do? I mean, painful, Allison. Like, can't we just skip past this? Let me tell you all about my trauma. My three year old would be like, I'm good at coloring. I like coloring, you know, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So, A lot of times helping women get to know themselves better really is a lot of pushing joy and pleasure. Again, it's just not something that I think is talked about in a way that encourages it. Maybe women aren't always shamed for like, oh, you want to go take care of yourself, but they aren't encouraged and promoted to even like realize or what you used to enjoy 10 years ago, you might not anymore. So there's just this like stages of life and giving yourself this permission to be like, where am I at right now? And be curious and explore is so often like very empowering for a lot of people. I haven't thought about what I like to do in years. I don't have a hobby. I don't even know what that means. So those are some really big things. 
I also tell women a lot to like, with this, like being curious is when they find themselves like in the throes of something, something that's really got them stirred up a conflict, their emotions, their thoughts are racing and running a lot of just stopping and questioning, like, is this me or is this messaging I've received, right? Is this someone else's voice? Sometimes you can identify very specifically, yep, that was my dad. Man, that was, you know, how he handled things like this. And I can just, his voice is ingrained in there. Or sometimes it's like, it's not my voice. I don't know whose else it is, but I, I don't believe that. It's just, again, messaging I've taken on over the years kind of thing. So being able to say like, where do I stand on this? Is this me and my voice is being critical, being harsh, being whatever, or is it somebody else? And getting some separation from that. So I don't have to own that belief anymore. I don't have to, when my brain goes there and starts thinking these negative things about myself, about the situation, whatever, I don't have to integrate that anymore. That's not my voice. That's not where I stand on things. And I think probably the last thing that, again, has been pretty powerful for me, but also kind of goes along with trying new things and pursuing kind of joy and pleasure and fun is taking care of yourself in all aspects, mind, body, and soul, right? Yes, you're going to come and talk to me and we're going to talk through your, your thoughts, take care of your, you know, your mental state, your emotional state, but like, are you sleeping? Are you asking for help and being assertive in your relationships? Are you taking care of your body? Like, I'll be the first to say I'm not, you know, the healthiest eater on the planet, but like, are you moving your body? I just got a massage this morning and it's like an every five weeks, non-negotiable because I feel so good when I take care of my body. And, and again, so being willing to like, not only try new things, but really realize like, I can't only just get to know myself or take care of myself on one level. There's so much power when I pursue joy and take care of myself and get to know myself and what feels good, you know, like mind, body, and soul, like all of it. Two things on this. One just as far as what you said last, I work with a lot of moms who then feel guilty if they put themselves first or do the self-care thing or whatever. And what I always try to do is say, especially if they have a daughter, but whatever, who, whatever, if they have girls or boys, especially if they have a daughter, though, this is easy for me because I'm looking at my child who might be a mom. And I'm like, how would I want her to be as a mom? And mm-hmm. I have to show her that. Mm -hmm. And I have to show her that I'm putting myself first, obviously making sure she's alive and safe. You know, I'm not going to like put myself above that unless I'm like struggling and not alive or safe. And then I've got to get alive and safe first because I'm the adult and then get her alive and safe. If she's alive and safe, I come first, you know, like my self-care and mental health and emotional health and sleep comes first. Cause if I don't have those things, I really suck as a mom. And my mom was an amazing mom, but she was an incredibly selfless mom who put her kids first. And now some of that guilt of taking care of myself first comes because I grew up with not seeing that modeled for me. So now my child is going to have that modeled for her. So number one, she's going to do it thinking it's normal and not have guilt about it. And I'll tell you what, like, do you want to know what makes me feel most guilty as a mom? Losing my shit. Yeah. Taking it out on my kids. I feel so much worse about that, that like I completely handled that inappropriately. I modeled all the things that I don't wish them to do because I am not taking care of myself. I feel so much worse about that than I do like, sorry, mom's off duty right now. I'm on a meeting. 
or I'm going to go take a nap or dad's taking you to school. Cause I got a massage this morning. You know, like I feel way worse about how I handle things as a mom with my children when I am depleted than I do taking care of myself. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And then the other thing I was going to say is that I, especially having like schooling and counseling, they were very big on CBT, the cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy. I was going in to be a marriage therapist, which is hilarious. <laughs> Whatever. I don't think you should even be allowed to do that unless you've been married for 10 years, but that's a whole other thing. But I thought I had to start with the thought work, like the cognitive stuff. And what I realized is that I needed to first get into my body and trust my body. And now finally, after three years of doing that, I can go back up to the thought. Do you know what I mean? Now, now it's like my body is grounded enough and I trust myself enough that then going up to the thoughts and being like, what is that thought? Why am I even having that thought? That thought's causing that emotion is so much clearer than it was before. Like CBT stuff never worked for me before because I had to get my body first and then you can come back up. So I love that you're giving so many resources because the thought stuff doesn't work for everybody. Or it really might work at some stage of your life and based on certain circumstances or wherever you're at or whatever you're working through with a coach or a therapist. And then it might miss the mark five years down the road because whatever you're, you know, getting support for is different. So that's where, again, like not being so stuck and rigid is like, this is the only way I care for myself. This is the right way to put my needs first or to, you know, whatever is Let it ebb and flow and evolve as you do. So as far as women learning to value themselves, and this is like the hardest thing ever because I currently working on this with myself and helping guiding other people's through it through it as well but helping women learn to value themselves and tap into that internal self-worth that exists beyond us being productive or having outside success and all that kind of stuff how do you help women walk through that yeah i mean i get a lot of resistance for that a lot of yeah but Right. Yeah. But if I, you know, and then insert again, all the limiting beliefs, all the excuses, you know, whatever else, all the conditioning pops up, but there's just a reality. Like by saying that you valued yourself, you're prioritizing yourself. Um, you're, you're seeking to empower yourself does not mean if I do that, I neglect all these other things. It's not either, or we don't have to tip the scales one completely to one end of to, or the other. The reality is, is that if I don't value myself as a person, all these other things that you're going to yeah, but me about are going to suffer our relationships, my career, right? If I, if I don't see the value in who I am, anything else that I want to like distract myself with and say, but what about this is going to suffer because I'm not bringing all of my knowledge, all of my wisdom, all of my compassion, all of my patience, you know, whatever, whatever the situation calls for. Like if you are thinking that the right thing for you to do or the right way to be a woman, a mom, a partner, and anything is to pursue all these external things, 
if it's the accolades, the promotions, the taking care of everybody else first, and you are miserable and you are lost and you are numb and you are bitter and you are all these sorts of things. Like it's because you don't know who you are and what you stand for. You are literally fumbling around and like anytime you feel that discomfort, that resistance, that whatever, let me quick go find something outside to distract myself with. Let me go back to figure out what I got to do to get that raise. Let me go back to, I'll just take care of my kids. Like if you don't know yourself, who you are, what you're about, again, for right now, what you stand for, what lights you up, like it will undoubtedly bleed to every part of your life that you're trying to tell me is so important. There's just no way to bypass it. You can't achieve the things, pursue the accolades, thrive in relationships if you don't have a sense of of value and worth internally. It begins and ends with us. I cannot control my husband. Can't. I would love if he, you know, handled any conflicts we might have a certain way. I would love it if I could just magically make my kids stop complaining at bedtime, right? I, I cannot control them. I cannot get outcomes that I want all the time. I can handle everything beautifully in my mind. I can't make them see things the way that I see it. I can't make them act the way that would be really convenient for me. So I have to be okay with me. I have to. I think small ways, because sometimes people jump to like, well, how do I value myself? That feels like this huge ass mountain. How do I ever get there? It starts with like small daily yeses, small little things. It is telling your kid, you know what? I'm busy right now. Come back and ask me in five minutes. That alone just said that whatever you're doing, that rather than trying to half-ass answer him, half-ass do what you're doing, feeling frantic and overwhelmed, like it's a very small boundary to say, like, give me five minutes, I will come find you. And, and then I'll you can ask me whatever and I'll help you. I matter too. It's very small things like that that can start to kind of accumulate and snowball into saying into bigger picture things. And, and you start to believe that more when you see like, oh, they didn't lose their mind because I said, not right now. They respected that I'm a person too with feelings and wants and needs. They understood it. They handled it fine. It was five minutes. I went there and we moved on with our day. Oh, I can do this. You know? So yes, there's belief work. A lot of people, there can be like some, some inner child, some trauma work, right? And there, there can be some really bigger picture dynamics and beliefs and kind of undoing of some things. But a lot of times is it's also reminding people that valuing yourself doesn't have to be a monumental chore. It can be these small little things every single day. A Starbucks coffee sounds good today. Go get it. I have a couple other small little examples. Like one is speaking your truth, Mm -hmm. saying no, if you don't want to do something. Mm -hmm. Like some friends asked me to do something the other day and I was just not feeling, I've, I've had a week and I was like, I, maybe next time. And I, you don't have to like give, make them an excuse. Like I have to work or I'm so busy or blah, blah, blah. Just like ask me next time. I'm not feeling it right now. Mm-hmm. Doing that and like learning to trust yourself and put yourself above people pleasing, uh, you know, pleasing other people. And then even, so I'm big on like attachment theory with kids, mm-hmm. which I know you can go way deep on. As long as kids have a healthy attachment with you, my whole thing with this is, I'm very woo woo. So I think our kids are older souls than us and like actually are okay. You know, Mm -hmm. so even once my child turned like two, I would start if she would come up to me whining or asking for something. And I was like having a, my own adult tantrum. I would say, mommy is so sad right now. It doesn't have anything to do with you. 
I need a few minutes to be alone. Can I come find you in like five or 10 minutes? Can you go watch TV or can I come find you in five or 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't take like two hours and leave her sitting there by herself. That's bad. That's not healthy attachment. That's neglect. But and even before she could really understand sentences, she got that. She was mm-hmm. like, okay, mommy, I hope you feel better. And now she's over three, but she's very verbal about when she needs to be alone. She's like, I'm mad. I want to be left alone. Or I'm going to go sit in my room. We don't do timeout or anything like that, but she'll like go sit in her room or go sit, put herself somewhere separate if she mm-hmm. needs time. And she's like, I don't like, I'll pick her up from school sometime. And she's like, I don't want to talk about school. I just want to sit in silence. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And that's so great because she's learning to like be able to have her time to process her emotions because she saw me do it from such an early age. And again, it's not exclusive. It's not, I asked my kid for five minutes so I could finish crying means they don't matter, whatever they're coming to talk. It, 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 it's not this, like it's, um, it's both, yeah. right? Like I am a human being that needs five minutes Or again, I'm going to handle it in a way because I'm supposed to be self-sacrificing and put my kids first and and I'm going to handle it terribly and then feel terrible about that. Or I'm going to take five minutes to not only model how that's appropriate, but then to handle whatever they need so much more effectively and feel good about it and be connected to them rather than like internally like, oh, why can't I just ever get five minutes to my, you know, blah, 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 right? And I also just think of like valuing yourself you know, setting boundaries and saying no, 3000%. Totally agree. I also think having like a playfulness to like explore again, like I I just feel like there's a lot of times like this is who I am and who I've always been. And like, so I don't dare deviate from that, right? I'm the shy one. I'm the funny one. I'm the whatever. Being willing to like try new things, explore new things, go take a pottery class just to try it. And you could say like, that was the worst thing I've ever done. Well, now you know, right? Like I'm an introvert. I could never go to take my kids to like a big, whatever. I'm taking my kid to Disney on ice tomorrow, right? Like I don't do crowds. I could never do that. Go try it. Go see actually, like if this is something that does light you up, that does feel good. And just being willing to try things like that, try a different approach in parenting, go do something you've never done before, again, just shows that you mattered and you value yourself because I'm willing to put myself out there and I'm willing to try new things in the name of like being able to say like, yep, you know, gaining knowledge and gaining that insight um, and giving yourself permission to be different than you have been at previous stages of life shows that you care about yourself. I'm going to ask you... One more main question and we'll wrap up. How do you help women unlearn old rules, whether they were from childhood or rules that they created from themselves? In human design, we call it deconditioning. And I don't know if you have a certain verbiage for it, but you know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of deconditioning. I agree. Some of it is really teasing out. Like, is that actually what I believe? Is that just what I've been taught? And again, just because, you know, I've, I've been taught something and I've been operating under it doesn't mean I have to totally abandon it. It just means it doesn't apply a hundred percent right now. And being willing to like check in and ask myself these questions is a really great start. So rather than being like, I either have to agree with this or I, I hate this is it's like, Hmm, where do I stand on this? Mm-hmm. Right. Where, what is my take? What is my belief? Again, is this something old from the past. I give this example a lot. Like I grew up as an athlete. Athlete was my primary identity. 
It's what I did. It's how people knew me. My entire time I spent doing that. That's who I associated with most of the time. Like that was my life. And so a lot of this getting to my mid thirties and being like, well, who the hell am I now is because like that didn't fit anymore. So it doesn't mean I have to totally abandon ship and say, I'm not an athlete at all. Just looks a hell of a lot different at this stage of life. Right. So like, this is still a part of me, but it's not my primary identity. It doesn't, it's a piece. And so I do use a lot of parts language. There's a therapeutic approach called internal family systems that talks a lot about parts, different parts of ourselves and and ideally trying to integrate them, right? So they can they can cohesively be parts of all parts of us without having this like inner conflict and inner tension. But I do think that there's a lot of that. I also, you know, again, questioning people like, where is this come from? Where did you learn that? Who says? I have one client that I literally said, like, who said that? Who said that's true? Because like she just so was talks with so much conviction and, and negatively about herself. And I'm like, who said that's the rule? Who said that makes you a bad mom? Where are you learning that? For some people, it really means like maybe you need to sever some ties with certain relationships. Maybe you need to get off every mommy app on the planet. Maybe you need to unfollow some people. You know, like there there can be some peeling away of like you are still receiving messages at this stage of your life. And do we need to set some boundaries or step away from again to come back to you and have some discernment of like what is serving me and what is not? What is helping me and effective for me at this stage of feeling more empowered, feeling more aware of myself, getting to know myself and what isn't. I also think a lot of times with parenting and upbringing, you know, like your parents probably still believe whatever they did and how they handle things when we were kids, right? They probably still think that that is the right way to parent. And so now that we are parents, they can still have that. They can still think timeouts are great and that they serve a purpose. Just because they think that doesn't mean that I have to. Maybe I did earlier. Again, I don't have to know. So a lot of just flexibility to not only discern if it's for me or not for me, but to give ourselves permission to evolve that I don't have to like white knuckle and hold tight. Like, well, I said one time, I think that this is a good thing. So I have to always believe that. Also, this is probably like one of the hardest things that I hear people talk about is learning to tolerate the discomfort when they stand alone, when they do check in with themselves. They learn where they stand on something. They disagree with the majority, whatever that means. And there they put themselves kind of out on an island and tolerating the discomfort to say like, it is okay. Not everyone has to agree with me. They don't have to like the choice that I made. I'm not going to family Christmas because I don't feel good there. And I'm the only one that's willing to speak up and say anything about it. But it is okay to tolerate that like (laughs) wave of discomfort in the name of, of what is right and true and aligned and authentic for you. And that, that takes time. That takes, again, learning. Like There doesn't have to be, I'm bad because I said this. They're good because they all agree, right? It was wrong of me to do this because so-and-so is now mad. So I did a wrong thing. It's, it's like, we got to take that out of it and be willing to learn. Like, How can I get through this wave of discomfort that I set a boundary? I said, no, I did whatever. And I feel like I'm standing out here on this island which also may mean then like calling in a new tribe too. So if I'm setting boundaries and needing to kind of take some people out of my life or set different kinds of boundaries, have different kinds of relationships, then also really looking to bring in new people to my world who agree with me or see things similarly, have similar goals, are willing to handle conflict differently. Again, like whatever your circumstances may be, is like maybe that means I am also looking for new people that feel very aligned and matched up with what, I'm doing what matters to me at this stage of life as I maybe set some boundaries 
you know, with people from other stages, but there's a really like talking in circles, kind of an answer. But I think those are some of the things that I, I talk most frequently about with clients of just being willing to like, again, question, be curious and be flexible with a lot of things. So it's not just this, it just is what it is. It's always been that way. So that's the way it has to be. Oh my gosh. Okay. So many things. One, okay. I love Glennon Doyle's podcast. Do you listen mm-hmm. to her podcast? Yes. I loved the one with Melody Beatty in October or so. I might put that in the show notes just because you're like a mixture between like a young Melody Beatty and Brene Brown, like therapist in your back pocket. That's who you remind me of with more of the like life coach vibes, like you know, not just like a wah, 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 sit and whine to me, but like, I'm going to empower you to then go make, take action. Right. But that I highly recommend that episode for everybody because everything that we're talking about really sort of comes back to codependency a little bit. And which I always grew up thinking that that was like, had to do with alcoholism only and like Mm -hmm. being married to an alcoholic or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, It's not it started out that way and it's not, and it's a scale and we're all on it somewhere Mm -hmm. except for some few people. And I think it's so important because that's like a big problem I have is the uncomfortability with other people's reactions and emotions. I think it's going to be something for my whole life, but I'm getting better at it. Yeah. And even just that idea for a lot of people, what you just said is like, learning that that discomfort is temporary. Yeah. You don't feel that way 24, seven, 365. It feels like it in the moment. It feels like the world is caving down and I want to avoid feeling this way ever again at all costs because they're crying. They're mad. Now they don't, you know, again, whatever your circumstances, but it's like, there is a wave to that and, and learning to sit in that discomfort, have the hard conversation, take the, the tricky, the hard, the painful action step in the name of what is true and right for you, you will not feel that way 24, seven, 365. Well, but the thing is, is that if you shove it down and numb it, instead of let it flow through, it can lead to disease or depression mm-hmm. or rage and resentment that come out later on. Right. 100%. So, I mean, it doesn't have, to, it can last 10 seconds right. if you let it flow through you and don't shove it down. To be honest, learning from you, that was one of the biggest things. Like when I, when you first told me about like what emotional authority meant, and I was, I was a professional stuffer. We don't got time for this. This isn't going to help the problem. So just, I'm good. I'll just be the tough one or the calm one or the whatever. And all this pressure on myself to like not move my emotional energy and to not even feel it, much less move it. So when I started to access this and it felt so consuming and learning about like emotional waves and all these things, I was like, I don't quite get this yet. And then having a couple experiences of like, here it comes and like letting out a cry to just like move it through. And I'm like, okay, that was it. That was all it was. I just needed to cry. Right. Or like, all right, I cried. I told my husband about it. He doesn't actually even need to do anything. I just want him to know what's happening. And I'm going to go for a walk. And like, just again, every time it's different, but like, that moving of energy rather than like sitting and stewing and creating 8,000 scenarios for how it could be, how it's going to turn out, what they're thinking, what could be happening on their side, like wasted energy, wasted energy that being able to like, I can, I can move through this, whatever, again, this is in the name of, because I matter enough. My opinion is important too. 
I'm willing to have the conversation because it matters. I matter. And then moving the energy through again, whatever scenario you're relating this to really can be pretty short. It's not like there's a saying in DBT is pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. And I feel like that is a lot of like, when I really try to break down, like where I can get some like agency and wanting to help women is it's like, no one's coming to do this for you. No one is going to stop and be like, Allison, I really think that you need to take like a good six months to just like care for yourself. I'll take everything else on for you. You don't got to worry about it. Like, just go take care of you. No one's going to do that. It's going to be pretty rare that anyone's going to say like, hey, why don't I just take the kids and you go take a nap? A lot of us don't even have that very frequently. So no one's going to do it for you. You have to have some ownership and some agency to, again, like no one's going to rescue me from it. No amount of blaming anyone else is going to change circumstances. So I can either do the work and move through my pain, or I can continue to suffer. And I've been there and done that. That sucks. So if I can be some small help in helping women feel their own agency and step up for themselves to move through their pain, whatever that means to find themselves again, get connected for the very first time, go through and and repair and heal some trauma, whatever. I'm here for it every day. I love it. You're starting a podcast soon, right? It is like, that has been like a percolating thing that I just haven't pulled the trigger on, but my brain is starting to like get in momentum to even start recording some things and just get that part of like putting my words out there and then figuring out all the, all the logistical stuff. Well, the reason I I'm mentioning that is just because whenever I chat with you and anytime we're on like a group zoom, everybody's always like, she's just so calming. Like she calms my nervous system. And I'm sure that's like your practice being a therapist. But I just think that so many women are going to be so grateful for being able to work with you and have a personal power coach therapist in their back pocket. So tell us how, if any listeners want to connect with you and see what offerings you have, how can they do so? Yeah. And I'll share with you, you can put in the show notes, the link in my Instagram bio is a good starting place just to kind of peek around. I have different resources, different ways to to work with me there, like even something to jump on my email list. I try to offer some like free content there every month or every other month. I have really poignant, like if you kind of want a one-off session or a session to like get to know me, I have bigger individual packages. I really enjoy Voxer coaching and still being able to connect with someone when like sitting down and doing a Zoom it's just really difficult in people's schedules and lives and all that sort of thing. So, so far I've put out one free masterclass in a course. And so a lot of that stuff is already there in that link that you'll post. Um, but worst case is always send me a DM on Instagram and just be able to like ask, you know, like, this is what I heard. This is what intrigued me. What can we do? And we can always customize something that fits, you know, your needs, but yeah, so that's probably the best way. Y'all definitely go give Megan a follow on Instagram. She gives so much wonderful value for free there. I'll put it in the show notes below, but it's Megan M. Colsing and her last name is spelled K-J-O-L-S-I-N-Z. Colsing, right? I said it is Colsing. Yes. Um, People dodge that like the plague. The they don't even try. I forgot <laughs> that I don't know how to pronounce your last name. It's hard. You it great. looks easier. I mean, it looks harder than it is, but I mean, dude, being able to have your therapist on Voxer is like, 
and I know you're not there 24 seven, like just yeah. all day long, but that is a, one of my favorite things to do is boxer coaching and like being able to have a therapist as a boxer coach is a gem. So I know you only have a few spots for that. So definitely go grab that from Megan um, and look at all the other ways to work with her as well. And we might have to have you back on here. I feel like we have so much more that we could chat about, but I want to wait okay. till you start your podcast. Cause I know that's going to be huge. Too. I'm going to push you on that. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. I'm so thankful for you coming on the show. I appreciate you and your time, Megan, and you guys definitely go connect with Megan and tell her thank you and tell her how much you loved this episode. Thank you. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at you do woo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.